There's a statement that goes, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Do you have an idea? Or do you want to engage in something that God has called you to do, but you don't know where to start? Hi, my name is Trey Rowell, and I want to engage in these conversations with guest speakers along the way that will help in the start of our journey. I want them to feature conversations about their stories, which is pretty remarkable. I also want to talk to them about other conversations that us Christians really need to struggle or wrestle with. I also want other conversations like sports and entertainment, but I want this podcast to be God-honoring as possible. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Journey Begins Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Alrighty, and welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I would like to start our podcast off uh, with a, a verse and then a word of prayer. And uh, I also invited a guest speaker, which is Michael Eaton. Um, he has uh, got a great testimony for him to uh, talk about. Uh, but first, I want to uh, start with the verse that fits the theme of uh, the story that he has for us to share and uh, for why Christians should be thankful. And the verse says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So let's have a word of prayer, and then let's introduce our guest speaker here today. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do this podcast. Thank you, Lord, for another episode. And I just thank you, God, that you are uh, continuing to work in the, uh, this podcast. I just ask, God, that as we have this conversation about being thankful, I pray, Lord, that you would please uh, help this conversation to be honoring and glorifying your name. And I ask, God, that you would be with the guest speaker, Lord, as he shares his testimony. And as he uh, shares his heart out, I pray, God, that uh, we'll be able to continue to have these conversations along the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so without further ado, let's introduce Mr. Michael Eaton. Uh, what part of Texas are you from? Uh, I'm in the DFW Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I'm about 30 minutes west of Fort Worth, a little tiny town of about 8,000 people called Decatur. So it's out in the rural area, just in the middle of nowhere almost, but <laughs> it's enough to things, but far enough away to be nice. Nice, nice. Uh, so uh, remind me, what part of church uh, are you from, from that area? Uh, Eagle Drive serve? Baptist Church. Yeah, Eagle Drive Baptist Church is where I'm at. So I've been there uh, actually five years this year. So. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And uh, the church is doing well? It's doing well. Um, it's had, you know, I think everybody's having to deal with this year. So it's had its ups and downs. Um, sure. But I'll kind of get into that. In, in a few minutes, but just, you know, it's, it's been an up and down roller coaster for five years, but it's, it's healthy. It's healthier than it's ever been, even though we don't have as many people as we once had, but it's the people that are here are, you know, spiritually more healthy than we've ever had. So it's, I'd rather have that than, you know, the number. So. Sure. Sure. Alrighty. Well, then without further ado, I want you to share your uh, story and your testimony. 
the first time I heard your testimony, you made me cry, man. <laughs> and I'm a grown man. So, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, I cry all the time. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, please uh, share a little bit of your testimony and your story. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Michigan, the state of Michigan. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents were both saved before I was born. My dad was saved um, when he was 25. Um, he was in the Navy for six years out of high school. So um, the pastor that I grew up under uh, knocked on his door one time, so winning and uh, led him to the Lord. And uh, he ended up going to Bible college. That's where he met my mom. Um, house Anderson College, and um, they got married and moved back to Michigan. That's where my dad grew up, a um, little tiny town up there um, near Saginaw. And so I was born there and raised there for 18 years. And um, as far as my salvation testimony goes, uh, we had a Christian academy there at the, at the church uh, where I went um, for kindergarten through 12th grade. And I remember in K-4, there was our teacher, uh, Mrs. Moores. Donna Moores was uh, teaching, and she had finished Bible and was talking about salvation. I remember her asking if there was anybody that wanted to get saved, and I remember raising my hand or saying something, and um, I don't really remember anything after that. Um, I don't remember for sure getting baptized, but there's pictures of it. There's a certificate that you always got when you got baptized, and my dad baptized me, and I just never remember actually going through the steps for salvation, you know, having to repent of my sins and understanding that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again um, to give me a home in heaven. And I just don't remember that. And going through elementary and high school, um, I knew that I wasn't saved. Um, I don't remember getting saved. And so when that happens and the, the church I grew up in, you know, I knew how to look at the part. I knew how to talk like a Christian. I knew how to act like a Christian. You know, we in high school memorized five verses a week for Bible, and I could do that. Um, and I could memorize quickly. I could say them all. I knew everything, knew all the punctuations. You actually, actually had to do punctuation too. And um, when I was around the people I needed to be a Christian, I could do it. You know, wore a suit three times a week. All the revival services would travel with the pastor sometimes where he was preaching to go and would even... Um, we participated in fine arts competitions and I would preach a sermon for fine arts and do well. And, but then when I had my friends that they didn't care if I was saved, um, I could act how I wanted to be who I wanted to be. And I guess be the real me because being the Christian was the fake me and uh, go went through high school again, doing what I wanted to do when I was around the people that I knew didn't care who I was. And the Christian thing to do is to surrender to ministry. And that was something that, just growing up had always been in the forefront. You know, if you're going to be a good Christian, you're going to start in a ministry, you're going to be in full-time ministry, work at a church all your life. And so that's what I said, that's the Christian thing to do. So that's what I want to do. So I remember when I was 16 or 17 at camp, I surrendered to be a youth pastor, even though I wasn't saved, I started to be a youth pastor um, and to, you know, to start to preach. And so I did that. And again, the Christian thing to do after high school was to go to a Bible college and learn how to be in ministry and different things and continue to study the Bible and so that's what I did. Uh, my brother at that time, um, when I graduated high school, was already at Crown College uh, in Tennessee. And so we had visited him a few times. And so I was familiar with it. So I said, well, let's, I guess I'll just go to Crown. That's, again, the Christian thing to do is go to Bible College. And this is familiar to me. I already have some people there that I know. And so I'll go there. Um, and the crazy thing is that when I 
decided to do that. Uh, my mom has always wanted to live in the East Tennessee area. So my family, um, I have my older brother that was there and I have a younger sister um, that was still in high school when I graduated. We all moved down there. They moved, actually moved down there with me. Um, and, you know, looking back to that, you know, I, I understand now how big of a sacrifice that was. And again, she wanted to live there, but they had been, my dad had been a teacher at that school for 20, 25 years almost. And so, or not 20, 20, like 15 years. Um, and so that was a big thing to, you know, change career to do all those things and, um, you know, to have to sell the house and move everything. And they did that for me, you know, because if you were off campus at college, you would only have to pay half tuition because you're not a paying room and board. And, so then I did that. We moved um, in 2008 is when I started uh, studying at Crown and again, not safe. So I was doing the Christian things. I was working on a bus route, singing in the choir, doing everything I needed to do. Um, and it was my sophomore year. And the vice president at the time of the college, Scott Paul, was preaching on a, just a Wednesday night message. Um, and the funny thing is I normally work on Wednesday nights and for some reason I was there. And um, he was speaking on having the joy of being Christian. And, you know, it's, you know, there's nothing better than seeing somebody say, whether you talk to them or just hear a testimony and see somebody that got saved. And I realized that I never really experienced that joy to its full potential. Yes, I could be happy for somebody, but that understanding that I'm saved and I see somebody else say, so I know that no matter what happens in life, I'll see them again you know, family members, friends, loved ones, all those things, I didn't have that joy. And I wanted that. And again, I knew the Romans road backwards, forwards, upside down, could do it any way I wanted to. Um, but I didn't have it for myself. And I wanted that. I realized that, you know, that was what I was missing in life. And there was things that um, going through college and going through high school that, you know, I got caught with things. And for some reason, I was still a crowd. I could have been kicked out a couple of times, but the Lord, I think, was saving me of that uh, for a reason. And so went forward after the, the message was done and went to one of the helpers. And, you know, I said, I need to get saved. I'm not saved. And it was tough because you're in a, a Bible college. You're at this big church of all these people. And for years, your family thinks you're saved. Everybody at the school thinks you're saved. You know, everything. And for me, that was very difficult. Um, I think people understand that. And I went forward to the worker and he's saying, you know what to do. You, you know, you've, you've been around it all your life. Just get on your knees, you know, and pray the prayer if you really mean it. And so I did that and um, I got baptized the next Sunday and they normally announce, you know, you normally do your profession of faith. And I waited because my mom was sick at home and I didn't want to surprise her out of nowhere. She was watching the live stream. So I went home and told them and told my family. And again, it was, it was a burden lifted. Um, and, you know, I think people think that you get saved and everything's just gonna, you know, switch. Like there's something in your brain that just switches automatically. And that did not happen. Um, I know I was saved that I know it was September 9th, 2009, kind of a nice way, 9909. I always remember when I was saved. Um, but I still had my struggles. You know, I, you know, the Bible talks about having your, your besetting sins and those weights. And I still have my besetting sin um, that I carried through, even though I was saved. And again, people think that it's just a, a switch in your mind. Sometimes it just clicks. Oh, everything's going to get better. You're not going to struggle anymore. 
you know, that's why I think people don't understand sometimes that, you know, oh, Christians, they have the best life. Like we do, but we still have our own struggles. We still have persecutions that happen. You know, we see it happening in America now, but it's been happening around the world for a long time. Um, so went through Bible college. I finished, got my diploma. Um, you know, I started dating a girl in 2010 and we got married in um, 2012 after Bible college. And I still was carrying that, that struggle, those sins that I had. Um, that was just a habit. It was just second nature uh, was what my sin was. And um, she was a sign language inter interpreter. And there was a church that she did her internship in up in Peoria, Illinois. And the pastor asked us to come up there after we got married. And she would help because he was uh, the pastor and his parents were deaf. So he knew sign language. So he had some people that he had reached in that area that were deaf. And so when he was preaching, leading the church, he would preach in English and at the same time sign in American Sign Language, which was amazing. It was just, I, I never understood that because it's one thing just to sign, but he was actually doing two languages at once. He was preaching English and then also signing because there's, it's just a whole weird thing, but um, he needed somebody to sign. And so we'd go, we went up there in 2012 and I would help with the youth and other things. And it was a bivocational position. So I got a job and we're a couple of places. And so um, the whole time, you know, I was helping teens out and doing things and helping the people out there, but I still had that sin. And my marriage, you know, it, it, it was never great, I guess. And I know it's, it's because of that and, you know, many other things. I don't really think I was ready to get married at 23 years old. Um, but still struggling. And um, the issue that I had was that when people would ask me how I was doing, you know, it's just, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Oh, it's good. Yeah, everything's great. Marriage is great. Life's great. It's fine. And I never asked anybody for help. And I know that there was, you know, and people in my life that would have helped me and would have done anything they could do to help me. But I just, I did not want to admit that I was still struggling with this because I'm supposed to be this new Christian and everything's supposed to be amazing. And I'm a, I'm in the ministry. So how, how could somebody in the ministry be struggling with sins? You're not supposed to do that. That's not the right thing. And that's just what, that's just what my belief was. And, um, kind of fast forward a little bit. We had been in Peoria for about two years and I was wanting to be in full-time ministry. Uh, just nothing ever came up and there was a connection here in Texas that there was an opportunity for a church, for a church that was looking for a youth pastor. Um, and they had uh, called me and we talked for a little while on the phone and he actually flew us down um, for a weekend to candidate, which normally it was weird because normally churches just, you know, the pastor just hires a staff. Um, but he said, for this time, I wanted to actually have the church vote on a couple. So we brought three couples down and uh, we candidated. I, I taught in Sunday school, helped with the teens, sang in the choir, um, you know, talked to the people in the service and um, they voted the next week and there were three candidates and we, they voted us in. So we moved down to Texas and we actually had bought a house in Illinois and sold that and everything and moved down. And um, it was just great. You know, being a full-time minister, I was like, this is, this is finally it. This is where my life's going to get better. But I saw that sin. I was still struggling. And it was, you know, it was pornography is what I was struggling with. And um, I had been caught countless times before, but, you know, I'd say, okay, this is it. This is the time. I'm going to get over it. This is great. Um, 
but you know, I do things to help block things. Um, you know, I, I worked for uh, Verizon for many years, so I knew all those things, but then I knew all the ways around it. I knew things to do. And so, um, you know, those things led to other things that um, eventually led to being caught the last time. And my, my wife found out and there were some phone calls made. And, um, you know, the first thing you do is always deny, um, lie about it. You know, I can get out of this one. Um, but then I kept getting more phone calls from more people. And I realized I just, I had to just confess, admit it. And so I did. And at that time, again, I was, we were, uh, in Texas for a year, um, at, you know, being youth pastor and a big, had a big youth group and, but still all the struggle. And, um, at that time, whenever, when my wife found out, other people found out my wife separated from me. And that night it was a Wednesday and I had to resign from the church. Um, I went ahead and called the pastor and told him what was going on. I, I need, I need to step down. And so, um, you know, in a second, you know, everything is just taken from me. Not, I guess not taken. That's I'll use that word, but you know, it's not like it's, I was looking for pity. It's just, that's mm -hmm. what happened. Um, you know, I lost my job, lost my full-time job. Um, you know, my wife separated from me and I had no idea what to do. Um, and there was a pastor friend that um, uh, recommended a, a Christian counselor to me. And the, the, the goal was not to, you know, I wanted to get my marriage back to where it needed to be, but the goal was to, to help me. And so I, I did that, started doing that, and we tried to help the marriage. Um, but I guess, you know, this, it was not going to get better. Um, she filed for divorce about a year later. And so the divorce went through back in 2016. And um, so I had resigned that church position on a Wednesday night. And then Sunday morning, Saturday evening came. and said, I got to go to church somewhere. You know, the only time I never, I ever missed church was when I was sick. I just knew Sunday morning, you go to church. This is what you do. And it would have been weird for me not to go. Um, and so I knew a couple of churches in the area just because of being there for so long, but I didn't want to go to those churches to have to explain, you know, where's your wife? Why aren't you at your church? You know, why aren't you with your teens? And I looked on Google and just saw this church pop up, Eagle Drive Baptist Church. I said, okay, I've never heard of it. It looks like it's off the beaten path. I'll just go there and maybe that'll just start. And I, I never wanted to serve ministry again. I never, I thought I was not worthy anymore. Um, you know, divorce was a big no-no. It, it just, growing up, you just never talk about it. That's something you would never, ever even consider. You know, that's like the sin of all sins is growing up is what I had believed. And so I was just fine being a church member, just, you know, doing my part, tithing, serving a little bit, giving, just being there. And so... Um, at that time, Eagle Drive was in a transition stage where they had their previous pastor of 10 years resign and they're looking for a new pastor. So I went there and it was just a, a dying, dying church, um, physically and spiritually. Now, the average age is about 65, 68 years old and just no life. No, you know, it was, it was, they were just in the motions. They were doing the ministries. They had the van routes, the bus routes, the team ministry, but it was just in the motions. And everybody, you know, there was three or four couples doing everything. Um, and a, a pastor or a, a candidate came that was actually from Crown. He graduated from Crown and he was there before I got there. And, um, he candidated and a few months later, um, he, they got, he got voted in and, um, I, 
again, you know, talked to him because I wanted him to know everything. So he knew what was going on and knew all my struggles and all that, that I had, I guess, brought in with me. And he started counseling me. And again, I told him, you know, I don't want to serve. I, you know, I want to serve. I just, you know, I don't feel like I should be in ministry. So that's fine. We'll just, you know, we can see what happens. And uh, one thing led to another. And the first thing I started doing at the church was leading in the singing and helping with that. And I, my dad had taught me at a young age how to do that and um, how to sing. I had just been singing with my family all my life. So that was familiar. So I started doing that and, um, you know, things kind of led and kept continuing to get more and more until I started, you know, working in full-time ministry again um, and doing a lot of things with social media and doing the live stream and all the video work and things like that. And, um, you know, I trying to get this to a close, but, um, you know, the verse two said is, you know, being, you know, giving thanks and everything. And, and, you know, they've been through a lot worse than me, you know, and, and my stuff is almost, it's basically self-imposed. Um, but, you know, and there's, there's things that even happened in the last couple of years, you know, losing a best friend, things like that, that I look back and it's hard, but then I'm thankful because the things even that happened have happened in our church in the last five years have been tough to go through, but then looking back, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are if those things hadn't happened. Sure. And so when I look at my own life and see where I am now and the, the, the I guess the wisdom I have now, you know, I have to be thankful because if those things hadn't happened, I wouldn't be at Eagle Drive Baptist Church. I wouldn't be doing things I'm doing now, um, you know, and just being thankful even for my family for doing everything they did for me when I was not very appreciative of it, which now, you know, I'm closer to my family than I've ever been, you know, because of all the sins and the struggles, I had pushed them out. Uh, but we're, you know, I talk to my family a lot and it's, it's, it's been a good thing. So nice. That's where I am right now. Nice. I, I, I really do appreciate this testimony. It just fit right into the theme of being thankful. You know, um, my testimony is maybe just a little bit similar, but not into the full deep uh, conversation like you had. <laughs> um, like I said in my first episode, I, I was just dealing with um, with pornography since I was nine, and it just carried on till last year to this year, and it it was extremely hard when my, my mom found out and. I remember the guilt and I'm mm. like, okay, I can't hide this anymore. And and I remember the week before that, you know, I was, I was thanking God, you know, for a healthy family and all that. And then all of a sudden it just hit me. It hit me like, okay, God, I'm dealing with this. Can you do something about it? And he did. <laughs> and the funny thing yeah. was, the funny thing was that um, uh, I think that morning when, when I got caught, my mom was actually reading her Bible and she was struggling um, with the fact that something was wrong with me. And she kept finding God like, no, he's fine. He's fine. And then God's like, no, I want you to check this out. So she got on my phone and I, you know, like, like you said, uh, be sure your sins will find you out. And I, I knew at some point in time it was going to catch up to me and it did. Um, and um, the fact of the matter is after I talked it over with my parents, it, it was a really hard morning to deal with, but 
it, it was a burden lifted off my shoulders that now I can actually really serve mm. God fully at 100%. Um, I, I just, I remember, I know I was saved in 2015, but like you said, it, it just carried on to, with me until finally God pointed times like, okay, you stop right here. It's time. Mm. It's time. <laughs> So, but anyway, yeah. I, I really do appreciate your testimony. Um, so, um, uh, quickly here, uh, just a couple of questions. Um, based on your story and, and, and based on uh, being thankful, why is it so valuable and so important for us to be really thankful? I, I know we just got done with Thanksgiving, and it, it's a day where we express our thankfulness to God. But why should we express our thankfulness to God each and every day? Yeah, so... Um, you know, I, with going through my testimony, you know, there's, there's so, so many places or ways that that could have gone to. And there's sure. so many places that I could be now that, and it's sometimes I just, it just amazes me. And I don't know why, but a lot of times I, when I think about these things, my mind goes to somebody that is of the world that isn't saved. And if, if they are looking at my life, you know, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't at all. And to see everything that, that, that I went through and to, you know, and to, to see people that go through that every day of their life that don't have God. And I see, you know, and, um, I work some secular jobs now a little bit and to see people that do go through those things and they're just beside themselves. And then they see, you know, a life like mine or a life like yours. Like, how can you still, how can you be doing fine? How can you be happy? How can you just have everything be okay when you had your whole life stripped from you and it's because of God. And so when I see that, I, I can be thankful um, you know, and music is a big part of my life. It always has been everywhere I go, I have music playing. And that's one thing that I use, you know, not just on Sunday mornings in our worship time, but just every day I'm using that and just, and just being thankful. And the way I live my life also shows that I'm thankful every day. I really do appreciate it, Mr. Eden. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, we're just going to have some fun time here. Um, we're going to talk about sports, and I know he that he is a Michigan fan, um, but we're going to skip on the fact of Houston and Detroit because that was um, bad. That was off. <laughs> so we're I, have, I have Stafford on my fantasy team, so he did okay for me. But Do you I think Baker Mayfield on your uh, fantasy will do even better? Uh, I don't. I mean, Stafford got me 13 points, and I saw Mayfield averages about 10 or 11, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was about to say about – oh, I had him for three to four weeks, and um, no, I think I had somebody. Anyway, somebody had Baker Mayfield, and he wasn't doing so well. I'm like, hey, can you trade Baker Mayfield? Like, nope, nope. I've already got Aaron Rodgers. I've, I've already got DeAndre Hopkins. I've, I'm good. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, I have add, Roethlisberger too, and I yeah. hope that game actually happens. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about starting him because I actually just got him off a of trade. Um, but the more I look at him, like uh, Baltimore Ravens, they, they're looking for some vengeance on the Steelers. <laughs> so, 
So we'll see. But yeah. anyway, um, last thing, and uh, we'll go ahead and end the podcast. Um, as you all know, on the podcast, I am a huge Indianapolis Colts fan. So I want to ask you, Mr. Michael, how will this game for uh, the Indianapolis Colts and Tennessee Titans, what do you think is going to go down? And is it a crucial game for the Indianapolis to get this win? Oh, yeah. Let me look up the info on it. Um, I think, you know, it's – it's you know, they say some games don't matter, but I think with how tight some of these teams are and how tight some of the races are, I think right now, and because of COVID, I mean, there's games that are getting canceled left and right, um, and teams are just going down. I think right now every game – is just as big as, you know, them going into the playoffs. Um, it's just going to be, I think right now, from, from now until the end of the season, every game is a huge game and that every team you know, needs to have a win if they want to keep going. And who even knows what the playoffs is going to be like? I mean, it's just, it's yeah, crazy. That, yeah. Considering, considering now that we have a, another seed at hand. So it's, like you said, it's very crucial because the number one seed is the only team that gets the bye, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But I know the teams get more opportunities, but being the number one seed is like being the king of the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. The Steelers are looking really good. Um, I've, I've had to say this is crucial for the Indianapolis Colts because they're tied with Tennessee Titans at 7-3. and three. And I was hoping that Tennessee would lose to the Baltimore Ravens, but what in the world happened to that game? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but, um, yeah, it's going to be crucial. It's going to be fun to see. Anyway, uh, thank you, Mr. Michael, for taking up your time to be on, on this podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. It was good. Thank you. I appreciate it. All righty. Let's go ahead and end the word of prayer. Uh, Mr. Michael, if you could end in a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Okay. Do our thing for this day. I thank you for uh, many blessings that you give us, the ones that uh, we're thankful for, the ones that we sometimes take for granted, and the ones that we don't even know that you're blessing us with. We thank you for those. We thank you for um, just this opportunity to uh, do this podcast today. And we hope that um, as it goes out, that as people listen to it, that um, their hearts will get touched by it and that they would see uh, maybe if somebody stumbles upon it that's not saved and they would see. Uh, the gospel through this, through the testimonies, and that they would uh, want uh, to participate in that and want to be saved and they want you as their savior, and they would acknowledge that and that we'd be able to hear about that and rejoice with them and pray for um, those that are Christians that will be listening, that they would be encouraged because of it. And I pray that as um, we go through our day today, prepare for um, Sunday services tomorrow, that you just prepare our hearts even today. Uh, for the worship and for the message. And as we um, go to our churches tomorrow, that we would just um, just let go of the, the struggles that um, hold us down, that we would just worship you in spirit and in truth. And again, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this podcast. And I'd hope that you uh, would continue to bless it and to see people um, people's lives touched by it. Just give us a good rest of our day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. All right. Um, so, Please, uh, maybe like 30 seconds or so, please give us a description of your podcast so that they can tune in to your podcast as well. Yeah, so I have, uh, I actually use the same platform that you do uh, with Anchor FM, and uh, the title of my podcast is Eating It Up, 
and it's it's just about me. My last name is Eaton, so I use that everywhere I can on my username for stuff is Eaton Drink. That's somebody that called me, uh, kind of started that nickname back in junior high, so I always do that. So it's Eaton it up. Um, I have a few episodes on there. I'm gonna start recording some more, and uh, love to have you guys listen. And I do talk about random stuff. I always have like a special day. Uh, there's all these, you know, donut day, hug a friend day, all those things. So I bring that up and um, have a few episodes out now. So it'd be great to have you guys listen. Yes. And tune into his first episode, please. It shows a little bit more of his testimony and I recommend you listening on the first episode, but please tune into this podcast anyway. All right. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to episode four. This podcast is made possible by Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to make a podcast. Are you interested in making a podcast of your own? Try Anchor Podcasts. The best part, it's free. I hope that you were blessed and encouraged by the conversations that we've had today. Thank you to our guest speaker, Michael Eaton, for taking up his time to be in on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me and be on this podcast, or just send me an encouragement or some pointers, please look me up on Facebook or on Instagram at City Boy for Life, or look me up in Gmail at IndyT2000 at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for tuning into the podcast, and I'm looking forward to episode four. <laughs>